Today on The Journey. Paul writes, being confident of this, here is one thing I am certain of, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Are you sure? It's a question all of us have been asked at one time or another, but it takes on greater importance when it's your spiritual strength that's at issue. So today, with a special challenge to moms, Ron Moore prepares you to answer with a firm, yes, I'm sure. Before that, a quick word about Ron's PDF devotional booklet, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It shares thoughtful meditations on the joy, confidence, and freedom we have in Jesus. It's available for a donation of any amount, and you can get it at ronmore.org. Your gift today will help further this ministry of developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with the message, Welcome to a Life of Confidence on the Journey. Most of us have very fond memories of our moms in very special places. Maybe for you, it was a chair where you experienced the warmth and security where stories were told and hugs were given and prayers were said while you fell asleep. Perhaps for you, it was your mom coming into your room each night, tucking you in, praying God's blessing on you during the night. And maybe you were still awake when she slipped down by the bedside on her knees and she pleaded with God to take care of you not just through the night, but all the days of your life. As Paul opens his letter to those Christians in Philippi, he begins with a memory. Look at chapter 1, verse 3. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul begins with these words, I thank my God, every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, the Apostle Paul was a tough man. He was able to look the Apostle Peter right in the eye and confront Peter and tell him where he was off base when Peter had stepped out of line. During his missionary journeys, he had been toughened by travel over land and sea. Paul had endured beatings. In fact, in Philippi, he had been stripped and beaten and flogged and thrown into a prison, shackles around his ankles. But now, in a Roman prison, he thinks back in his memory to those Philippians. And he is melted by the memories. Memories are powerful, aren't they? They bring a lot of emotion. And those great memories we have of people we love melt us with thankful emotions to God. In fact, those great memories of people we love give us confidence, even through the most difficult times. First principle I'd like to draw from this passage, confidence is stored in the thankful memories of God at work in the lives of people.
Hey moms, what memories are you making for them? What memories do you want to make? And by the way, you have to be there to make special memories. One has said this, Memories are a treasure house out of which jewels may be drawn in hours of need. Confidence is stored in the thankful memories of those God has used, particularly moms, to impact our lives. Here's a second principle. Confidence is sustained in nurturing Christian friendships. It's not just stored in our memories, but it is sustained in ongoing, nurturing Christian friendships. Look at verses 4 and 5. Paul says, In all my prayers for all of you, I pray always with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The word partnership is that rich Greek word koinonia. It means to have a close association with. It means to have a connection with, a close relationship. And among the Christians in Philippi, Paul had this nurturing, special connection. Listen how he describes it in verses 7 and 8. Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you because I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul had among the Christians in Philippi a relationship he could not get out of his heart. It was a relationship that carried him through difficult times. He had an affection for them, a deep, strong affection. And even when he was a thousand miles away in a Roman prison, he longed for them. He longed for them because the Philippians had been so special to him. First, when he went into Philippi, on his missionary journeys, they showed him hospitality. They welcomed him into their homes. They showed him generosity. When Paul left Philippi and went on missionary journeys, any time he had a need and the church in Philippi found out about it, they took up an offering and they sent it to him. When he was in Athens, he had to work part-time so he could preach the gospel. Philippi learned about it, sent a gift so he could preach the gospel full-time. They were generous. And the church of Philippi knew about another ministry that is a very, very, very powerful ministry. And mothers, you know this ministry well. The ministry of presence. Being there. Because when they found out Paul was in that Roman prison, they knew that all the church couldn't go there, but they took up a gift, and they sent a young man named Epaphroditus to take care of Paul in prison. They knew about the ministry a presence. And Paul's confidence was bolstered even in a Roman prison, even in difficult times, by the nurturing friendships of the Philippians. Mothers, do you have a nurturing Christian friendship? Now, we hit this hard with men. We ask all the time, 
Men, do you have someone you're accountable to? Do you have someone you meet with regularly? Do you have someone asking you the tough questions? For me, that's every other Monday with two other guys. We hit it hard with the men because a lot of times men don't want to have those types of relationships. But I don't want to take anything for granted. Wives and mothers, do you have nurturing Christian friendships? Do you have friends who will hold you accountable? Do you have friends who will question you and challenge you regarding your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you involved in relationships that build you up, not tear you down? There's a lot of difference between negative friendships and nurturing friendships. Do you have nurturing friendships? got to have it. With all the challenges in your life, with all the issues you go through, with the hard work of raising children, you have to have someone who's walking with you, someone you can call and say, man, I'm having a tough day. It has gone south since about six o'clock this morning. And I need you to pray for me. I need you to meet for a cup of coffee later on because I just need some encouragement. Do you have that friendship? Because confidence in our life, as we move through our life, Confidence and strength is found in nurturing Christian relations. That's where Paul found his. One more thing, and the most important thing here, the third principle. Confidence is settled in the promise of God to complete what he has started. Confidence is settled in the promise of God to finish what he begins. Look at verse 6. Paul writes, being confident of this, here is one thing I am certain of, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I am certain of this one thing. Here's where your confidence can be. Here's where you never have to waver. Here's where you never have to guess. Here's where you never have to wonder. The work God starts in your life, He will finish. Our confidence as a Christian is found in this one thing. The good work God starts, He will complete. Now take your Bibles and turn back to Acts chapter 16. Acts 16, where Paul first goes into Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony, it was a miniature Rome, and a lot of Roman soldiers had retired there. There weren't many Jews who lived in Philippi. In order to have a synagogue in a city, you had to have 10 male Jews, 13 years of age or older. Philippi had no synagogue. And when Paul went into cities where there were no synagogues, on the Sabbath, he would go down by the river because... Those who were Jews would go meet by the river and use the running water for their purification and cleansing rituals. And so here on this Sabbath, as he goes into Philippi, not a lot of Jews in the city, he goes down to the river. Look at verse 13. On the Sabbath, we, Luke is writing, we went outside the city gate to the river 
where we expected to find a place of prayer, we sat down and began to speak with the women who had gathered there. So the church in Philippi begins with a group of women. And one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. Lydia was a businesswoman. She was either an agent of a company in Thyatira, and she was representing that city in Philippi, or maybe she had a business of her own. Thyatira was a city known for its dyes. And so she had this business of purple cloth there in Philippi. She was a worshiper of God. Now, many times in Scripture, you read that someone is a worshiper of God. Here's what it means. It means, one, they're not a Jew. They're a Gentile. But they believe there is one God. They believe in Yahweh. And they follow the Jewish laws and morals. It's just that they haven't sold themselves out. They haven't had full commitment to Judaism. So here's Lydia. She's not a full proselyte, but she is a worshiper of God. And look what happens. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. He opened her heart to respond to Jesus Christ. Some of you may be here today, and you would consider yourself a worshiper of God. You're a religious person. You go to church, you read your Bible, sometimes you do religious things. You're an upstanding moral citizen. Lydia was that. But Lydia lacked one thing, the most important thing, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was God who opened her heart to trust in Christ alone. And if you're here today and you've gone through the motions and the rituals and the religious stuff, but you haven't trust in Christ, you're not a Christian. A Christian is one whose heart has been opened by God Himself, who is called by God Himself, and who answers that call and trusts in Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation says, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. I will have fellowship with him. I will have partnership. I will have koinonia with him and he with me. And today, if you have not opened the door of your heart, if you have not allowed God to open the door of your heart, I challenge you to respond to the message of the gospel, to trust in Jesus Christ. And if you do that, he who began a good work in you will complete it. Listen to a couple of passages here. John chapter 10. Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give eternal life to them. They shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Think of those words of Christ. Nothing can snatch you out of the hand of Jesus. And my favorite passage in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the confidence you can have to live your life 
knowing that Christ, who started a good work in you, He will complete it. So mothers, your confidence in doing mothering right, your confidence in doing marriage right, your confidence in doing grandmothering right is not found in the latest fad of some television show or radio show or book club. Your confidence in doing it right, successful motherhood, is found and founded in Jesus Christ alone. And the good work He starts in you of salvation and every other good work that He has in your life, He will complete. That's the promise of the living God. Now, Paul ends this section with a very powerful prayer. And I want to go through it quickly, and then I'm going to challenge you mothers to pray this prayer daily. It is a great prayer for all of us, but it is particularly a great prayer for mothers. Let's look at it. It's found in verses 9 through 11, back in Philippians. Paul says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. The first thing Paul prays is that your love will grow richer, it'll grow deeper, that your capacity to love, even in the most difficult times, will never be exhausted. And if you want to understand what Paul means by love, just look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because there he says love is patient, and love is kind, and love is not easily angered, and love is not self-seeking, and love keeps no record of wrongs, and love always protects and trusts and hopes, and love always perseveres. Paul says, that's the kind of love I want to see grow in you. I want it to abound. I want it to grow richer and deeper and fuller. And I want that love to grow in knowledge and depth of insight. Two great words Paul uses. The word knowledge refers to a moral understanding, the moral absolutes found in Scripture. So the first thing Paul says, I want your love to grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. You've got to be in the Word of God. You've got to be reading it. You've got to be studying it. I want you to know more about Scripture. But not only that, depth of insight. That phrase is better translated discernment. I don't just want you to know this stuff. I want you to be able to apply it in the varied circumstances of your life. Because if you're raising kids, you've got all kinds of opportunities to apply Scripture in varied circumstances. Paul says, I want you to know it. I want you to apply it. So here's your first prayer. Heavenly Father, please grow in me a first Corinthian love that is grounded in the understanding of your Word and appropriately applying it in the many and varied circumstances of my day. Grow it in me. Help me to know it and use it. Look at verse 10. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So that you will have the comprehension to determine what is best. I love the way the New Living Bible puts it. For I want you to understand what really matters. The word pure here refers to our relationship with God. It means to be unspotted. It means to be unblemished. The word refers to taking a cloth and opening that cloth in the sunlight and letting the sunlight shine through so that we can see there's no blemish on that cloth. Paul says, I want you to be pure before God. I want you to be clean before God. But I also want you to be blameless. That word refers to relationship with others. The word means to give no offense. It means to not cause to stumble. It means not to lead others into sin. So here's the second part of your prayer. Heavenly Father, please grow in me a godly character that is clean before you and does not cause those I love to stumble. And look at verse 11. 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Filled with the fruit of righteousness. What does it mean? What does it mean to be filled with the fruit of righteousness? Let me read this to you. I read this in it's a great book, Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard. He explains it. Listen to what he says. This is what it means to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. I submit my tongue as an instrument of righteousness when I make it bless them that curse me and pray for them that persecute me, even though it automatically tends to strike and wound those who have wounded me. I submit my legs to God as instruments of righteousness when I engage them in physical labor as service, perhaps carrying a burden the second mile for someone whom I would rather let my legs kick. I submit my body to righteousness when I do good deeds without letting them be known, though my whole frame cries out to strut and crow. And when I do, I offer up my body as the place of God's action. To be filled with the fruit of righteousness means you offer up yourself as the place of God's action in your home, in your marriage, in your neighborhood, in your world. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, please enable me to live in a way that proves beyond any doubt that Jesus is in control of my life. What a great prayer for us all. What a great prayer for moms. And please stay with us. Ron returns in a few moments with a look at our next time together. Do you wonder where the abundant life Jesus promised is found? When you do a personal assessment, do you find spiritual failure, doubt, and bondage instead of the victory you seek? Well, you'll discover the things you've been looking for in Ron Moore's digital devotional, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. In this thoughtful look at Paul's very personal letter to the believers in Philippi, you'll learn how to experience the joy, freedom, and bold confidence God intends for you, His child. Welcome to the Life God Has for You is yours for a gift of any amount when you visit ronmore.org. Again, that web address is ronmore.org. Your gift today will help keep the journey on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Ron with a preview of our next broadcast. Open your Bibles with me to Philippians. We want to look at the freedom you can have as a follower of Jesus. We're going to look at chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. And what I want to do is give four principles of freedom that will help all of us live a life for Christ, unhindered by the stuff that drags us down and causes us to stall out. So here's the first principle from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 30. A life of freedom begins with the foundational understanding that our Heavenly Father uses earthly problems for eternal purposes. As the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, he found himself in a very problematic situation. This man who was called and determined to take the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the world, was confined to a Roman prison. His only crime, telling others about Jesus. However, 
Paul lived life with this foundational belief. Paul knew that whatever was going on in his life, God was not wasting his time. Paul knew that every situation, whatever it was, God was going to use for eternal purposes. Look at verse 12. As Paul is writing back to the church in Philippi, writing from a Roman prison, he says, I want you to know, brothers, I want you to comprehend, I want you to realize, I want you to believe that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul says, what seems like a setback, God has used to spread the gospel. We hope you can join us for that message next time. Also, we want you to have a copy of Ron's PDF devotional titled, Welcome to the Life God Has for You. It's yours for a gift of any amount, and you'll find it at ronmore.org. That's ronmore.org. Plus, we invite you to have a look at our church website at biblechapel.org. There you'll find information about our worship services and special events, along with Ron's recent sermons, devotional thoughts, and podcasts. Again, that address is biblechapel.org, biblechapel.org. And if the journey has made a difference in your spiritual life, won't you invite your friends and family to listen as well? We'll thank you, and we think they will too. Finally, please keep in mind that the journey relies on your generous donations to remain on the air, developing followers of Jesus Christ. Your gift today will be deeply appreciated. You can give at ronmore.org or you may call 724-731-2018. Thanks for listening, and we invite you to join Ron Moore next time as we walk together on the journey.